Bible, turn with me uh, to the book of Revelations. Chapter 1 is where we'll start today. I'll also ask you if you would turn and maybe kind of get your finger ready for a little bit of Isaiah. We'll be in Isaiah as well today. In chapter 9, we'll also be in Luke. Chapter 2, we're going to have going to be all over the Bible today. If you aren't ready to use your Bible, um, I hope you're ready this morning as we look into God's Word. You know, when I knew at the beginning of the year that we would be here in, uh, in this scripture today, I thought, Lord, what does Revelations have to do with Christmas time? I've grown up in church my whole life, um, kind of had this as home, and and it's been interesting as I've read in the, my Bible, as I've looked in um, God's words, I've been praying, especially over the last few weeks, about this Christmas season. It's this idea of Christmas revelations. Um, in, in my personal study, I've been in the book of Second Kings lately, which is an incredible uh, story. And, 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 and then to go from there into Second Chronicles um, this last week, I found myself seeing God's word just open up very differently. I, I grew up in, in, in this context and thinking that Christmas is, is about one thing, uh, about the birth of Christ, and it, and it is. But in the midst of that, maybe not always digging in to the whole truth of Christmas, um, maybe getting caught up in some other pieces of it. Um, and, and instead of allowing some of these other pieces of Christmas and my traditions to point me more to Christ, I just kind of maybe got caught up in those areas growing up. And I, I was thinking about that. I thought, Lord, this Christmas, I want to talk about Advent today. But, but Advent, we may think it means one thing when it really could mean something else. And as I was reading that in Second Chronicles chapter 18, uh, I'm, I'm reading this story about King Ahab, uh, who was an evil king, uh, of Israel and King Jehoshaphat, and um, he was a he was a pretty good king in Judah, and and Ahab says, "Hey, listen, you king of Judah, come out to war with me, and let's fight the bad guys, so to speak." Now, this is all Cliff Notes version, Second Chronicles chapter eighteen. You can find it all there, and and Jehoshaphat says, "Well, is there a prophet that can tell me if this is a good idea?" And and Ahab's like, "Man, I have a prophet. This is my prophet. Listen to him." His prophet says, great idea. You should do this all the time. Joseph says, oh, that's great. Is there another prophet? And I love it. King Ahab says in 2 Chronicles 18, yeah, there's one other prophet, but I hate that guy. Every time he prophesies, it's never good for me. He only prophesies bad things for me. I hate him. Joseph is like, can I talk to that guy? Before we go into war together, can I talk to the guy that I just let's, let's make sure the Lord is in it and, and the prophet comes in And he says hey go to war Do whatever you want to do And King Ahab says don't lie to me Tell me the truth of what God said to you And he says okay really you're going to die You're going to go no matter what happens You're going to die Because the Lord has said who's going to go down and, and pull Ahab out And this one tempting spirit said Lord I'll do it I'll draw him out to battle so Ahab, you're going to go into battle, nothing's going to stop you, and you're going to die. And, and I love it, Ahab looks at Jehoshaphat and goes, see, I hate this guy. Like, no kidding. He, he preferred someone that would mislead him instead of the truth. And, and then let me tell you what happens. Ahab goes in the battle, he tells King Jehoshaphat of Judah, you dress like a king, I'm going to dress like a soldier and be one of the guys. 
basically, I'm going to try to outwit, outwit the prophet. So they start chasing Jehoshaphat, thinking he's the king of Israel. And then they realize it's not him. And the Bible says somebody at random drew back their bow and let go. And guess what happened? King Ahab. Now, wouldn't you rather have the truth than have a picture that's painted for you that makes you feel good in the moment? The prophet later went back to King Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and this is what he says. He says, listen to me. You believe in the Lord your God, and your ways will be established. You believe in his prophets alone. Believe in those who spoke his word. Do that, and you'll succeed. Church, this morning, as we tie Christmas and the book of Revelations together, we're going to be looking at the words of prophecy, and we're going to be looking at it in a different way. And what I want you to know is, even if it's a different picture of Christmas than what you thought, even if it's a little, little different scenario, let God's Word speak to you this morning, because I believe in this season, God's Word establishes us in a different way when we believe upon it. The, the word Advent means the coming. Do you know this? It means the coming. Um, really, about 50 years ago, we adopted a definition of the word Advent that kind, of, that kind of moves our society today. It hasn't been forever, but there's this meaning of Advent that looks back at the coming of Jesus Christ. And so when we talk about the season of Advent today, when we talk about Advent season, we, we think that as we get closer to Christmas, we're more anticipating what has already happened. And, and that, is, that is a piece of Advent. It started, we know, between 400 and 600 A.D., this idea of Advent. But it, it wasn't to look back at the coming of Jesus. It was always in the Christmas season. But, but when Advent started leading up to Christmas, it was a time of fasting. It was a time of prayer. It was a time when people who had trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior would prepare for their baptism. Do you know why that was? Because they were preparing for the coming of Jesus. You see, the manger didn't cause them to look backwards. It caused them to look forwards to the coming of the Lord. The manger means nothing if our Christ isn't resurrected and coming again. The manger means nothing if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead and returning again one day. If you don't believe in the return of Jesus Christ, then the manger is a historical um, piece of history. And so today as we talk about Advent and Christmas revelations, I just want to start off the next two weeks. We're going to be jumping into this. I just want you to experience what Christmas night would have been like for those shepherds just a little bit. Because they weren't anticipating a historical event. They were anticipating the coming. And it is with their heart that you and I should live our life, especially this Christmas season, anticipating the coming. I look forward to this, and we go back into to Luke, and we see this picture of the birth of Christ. Do you remember what happened? The shepherds are out 
in their fields, watching over their flocks by night. Right? The all is calm, all is bright part of our Christmas stories is happening there. Do you know what happens when the Lord shows up on the scene? All is not calm, and all is not bright in the same way. It is terrifying. When the Lord shows up on the scene, He wakes the world up. He, he does it. I Listen, as your kids are, are running downstairs this Christmas season, right? For, for us, Christmas Day always had so much anticipation in it. Whether it was driving to a grandparent's house, can't wait to see family I haven't seen in so long. Or whether it's waking up on Christmas morning and we're always going to have breakfast casserole. And we're always going to wait for this, that, and the other. And we're going to line up all these things anticipation was always a part of our christmas story and it seems like we need to let that anticipation not focus or or take us away from the vision of what christmas should would call us to but we should let that anticipation not be for people it should not be for presents it should not be for traditions it should not be simply to fill in the blank that the anticipation that we have that christ the lord has allowed to be around christmas is so that we might properly anticipate his coming this is what christmas is all about charlie brown this is where it's going so in this advent season i just want just today to remind you who we are that we're anticipating revelations chapter one verse five this is what the bible says it says, from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. See, this story is John's writing this revelation. He says, I'm writing this to these churches. I want these churches to know the prophecy. Grace and peace is coming your way. But listen, it is from the Lord, but it is from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. In other words, church, this is how you need to be thinking of Jesus, that he is full of faith. In other words, he's completely trustworthy. He is able to do what he is going to do, and he will do what he is going to do. So when you see and read in Revelations that he is a faithful witness, here's what you should know. When he spoke the words, I'm going away to prepare a place for you, but I will not leave you. I will not bring you there with me. That he's faithful. That the Jesus that we think about at Christmas time is a faithful witness. He is a trustworthy example. He is a trustworthy statement in and of himself. John chapter 1 says he is the word in the flesh. So the Christ that we worship at Christmas, he is faithful. He is the firstborn of the dead. We joyfully celebrate the birth of Christ because we know that he unlocked the door to eternal life that he was not the only one who was raised or will be raised again he is the firstborn of those who will follow you see we worship a Lord who has overcome death and the grave and he's the first, not 
the only. So Jesus Christ that we think about on Christmas, that we worship, is the faithful witness. He's the firstborn of the dead. The Bible then says he is the ruler of the kings of the world. The ruler of the kings. You know what that means? That means that he is above all. That means that every sorry king in this world, every every horrible leader in this world, that they are not a challenger to his throne. That means that that you and I, no matter what region of the world we're in, no matter what trials we're, we're coming under, no matter how good a king or ruler is or how bad they are, none of them hold a candle to the Lord because Jesus Christ is the ruler of those kings. All of those kings, every great name, every society will find itself in complete submission to Jesus Christ. That's who we worship. That's who we think about as Christmas. And, and I understand I, the, the baby in a manger. There's something that we learn from thinking of his birth. But if when we look at that manger, we don't attach a faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the king of kings, the ruler of all the kings of the earth, then we do not celebrate Christmas even like the shepherds did. Even like Mary and Joseph. I want to take you back to our Christmas scene. Silent night. Right? Everything is quiet. Do you know where Jesus was born? In a stable. Do you know how many sounds happen with a birth? Now can you imagine those sounds? Right? Can you imagine those sounds out in an area filled by animals? I'm sure every animal was like, shh, Mary's having a hard time. No, it was a ruckus. How do we know when a baby is healthy, when they they first take a breath in this world? What are we listening for? Crying. If Jesus is a healthy baby, and he was when he's born— no crying. No, he's crying. The world is, is learning through this stirring. When these angels come, they, they shake people. Jesus' coming was humble. Jesus' coming was, was incredibly prophetic. It was completely fulfilling God's word. But it was not an event lacking grandness. Because the grandness of Christ has zero to do with how men judge the outside of grandness. Because God looks at the inside. You see, what were the shepherds thinking when the angels went away and they ran to town? What coming were they anticipating? Going in 20 minutes after labor to visit a stranger and her newborn? Is that what they were thinking? I don't, I don't think they were thinking about Mary at all. <laughs> In fact, I'm pretty sure if people just came banging on your door right after giving birth and you're like, hey, we don't know you, but we're so excited about your kid, you're not like, oh, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for the encouragement. Right? It's not it. 
they're completely consumed with Jesus because Jesus is not some baby in a manger they can't just wait to cuddle and coo with. Jesus is the Messiah of Scripture who's coming they've been waiting on. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Look in your Bible with me. Listen to what the Lord says. The Bible says it this way. Isaiah chapter 9. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And we know that is the prophecy speaking that there will be given to us, shared with us, a child, a son. Now, now listen to what the words say, because this is what built the mindset of the shepherds, and this was what must fill our minds as we celebrate Christmas and look forward to the coming of Christ. The Bible says it this way, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. You know the word government there in Hebrew means dominion or the one who dominates or domination. In other words, the coming Messiah, the one who we would be anticipating if we were shepherds, are one that everywhere he comes, he dominates. There is not a king, he will not dominate. There is not a problem, he will not dominate. There is not a victory where he won't completely win. I was talking with a friend on the phone about this this week. Just This is Jesus, the one that everywhere he steps, it's complete and utter winning. And we talked back to, to uh, Jacob the night he wrestled with the Lord. And the Bible says he prevailed. Do you know what the word prevailed means? That he endured. In other words, he survived. That's what it's like. When you struggle with the Lord and win, it means he didn't kill you. That's what it means. That's what it looks like. When you wrestle with God, he dominates everywhere he goes. So if you wrestle with the Lord and you are still breathing when he walks away, you win because he loves you. Because he allowed you to draw near to him. The Christ, this Christmas, we celebrate the Christ who is the Son born to us and dominion, dominating presence it rests on his back. In other words, it goes with him everywhere he goes. And so these shepherds that night are saying, we can't wait to go see this dominating son who has been given to us from God. And his name shall be called, the Bible says, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The word wonderful means I don't have a word to describe it well. It means I can't really comprehend it. John chapter 1 says Jesus came into the world and the darkness couldn't comprehend it, couldn't understand it. The Bible says that the one who brings dominance on his shoulders, this Jesus, not only is he dominating, but he's so dominating you won't be able to explain it. You won't be able to articulate it. But guess what? He is the wonderful counselor. In other words, he himself will make the inexplicable explained. He will make the inexplicable explained. He, his name shall be Wonderful Counselor. The Bible says Almighty God. 
Ben's vigorous hero. That he is a vigorous hero. God himself is the vigorous hero. He's not waiting back for the battle to come to him. Everywhere his footsteps, dominance follows with him. He is the vigorous hero. Everywhere he goes, the world can't comprehend it. The world will hate him for it. But everywhere he goes, he will dominate and he will vigorously fight for the name of his father, for the kingdom of his father, and for the children of his father. That is the Messiah these shepherds are waiting. They want to see what does the vigorous hero, God, what, what is that? What is he going to be like? What is this wonderful counselor? What, how is this going to work? And he's going to be everlasting father. The word everlasting is very known to us. It just means into perpetuity. Into perpetuity. He will be the highest. And then and the Bible says this as it pulls it together. He's the prince of peace. Here's the picture that the shepherds would have been thinking of. The angels just told us that the Messiah of Isaiah chapter 9 was born. He is the one who will dominate everywhere he goes. And where he dominates, his wonder will overtake. And he will advise, he will call those who are his. He will be the vigorous hero of his people. He will reign forever. And where he dominates, peace will dwell. They started thinking about that. Here the shepherds are dominated by the Romans. Here the shepherds are eking out an existence, trying to figure out what's the next step. And the angels say, For unto you is born this day in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. They would have thought in the moment, the dominating hero of our people is born, and he is more wonderful than we can comprehend, and he is more mighty than all the kings of the earth. And where he is, peace resides. How quick can I get there? Sheep, what sheep? Who cares about sheep? How quickly can I go? Because what Isaiah says is verse 7. The increase of his government and his peace will have no end. It won't stop. The shepherds that night are running in Luke chapter 2. They're running to Jesus. Not to see some sweet picture moment. That's silent and quiet. They have been anticipating this coming their whole life. And they're not going in awe to see a baby. They're going in awe to see a child that was given who will dominate this world for the kingdom of his father. And peace will dwell with those who dwell with the king because he fights for us. We do not fight for ourselves. This is the truth of Christmas. This is the Christ we anticipate. Revelation says it this way. Chapter 5, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 5, the second half. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. 
has made us a kingdom of priests to his God and Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Those who have pierced him, all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. Church, listen to me this morning. The Bible says this very clearly. The Bible lets you and I know that this Jesus that we anticipate, this Advent, it is, is for his people. We don't, we don't celebrate Christmas with just sweet memories. We celebrate Christmas knowing that the sweet memory of the past was the promise fulfilled for our future. The Bible says this about Jesus and us, to him who loves us, the dominating King of kings and Lord of lords loves you, the one who will bring peace and will fight the battles you struggle with loves you. And through him, Scripture says, he has freed us by the sin of his blood. How does our vigorous hero rescue his children? It started on a, on a night as a baby. But it culminated with his death on the cross. You see, Jesus Christ, the one who is coming, he offers freedom. And he's able to offer freedom because everywhere he walks, he dominates. And through his blood, the Bible says, he has made us a kingdom. Let me, let me give you the word. Our prayer should be the same. 
If you want to know Jesus Christ or if he is yours, our prayer is this. Lord, dominate me. Dominate me. I want your wonderful, mighty God fighting for me. I want you fighting for my children, for my home. Prince of Peace, I need you to rule because I cannot and desire not. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Church, this morning, will you allow your voice to cry out to be dominated? If you do not know Jesus Christ, my prayer is this morning that the picture of who he is will challenge your heart. And whether you leave here changed or not, you will leave here without excuse and knowing that the dominating king loves you. And you will either be dominated by his freedom in your, his blood or you'll be dominated at his coming. Church, anticipate his coming. Father God, would you move? Would you work? Or would you cry out? Hark, listen up. Watch for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, would you stand? Lord, with us this morning, and however God calls you to respond, would you sing with us together?
just the ability to talk about what you've already done in history. But God, we anticipate seeing face to face your son again. Lord, we know he is coming. Father God, let your people be ready. Lord, this morning, do not let us think that we can leave the same way as we walked in. Do not let us pause to believe that we have the option of ignorance the moment we step out of this room. Lord Jesus, if there is a man or a woman or a boy or a girl who has not professed as Lord and Savior, this coming one, Lord, would you, would you reach down to them now? And as they leave, would you not let your words leave their mind? Father God, as Christians, do not let us think this season is simply about what has been, but about how what has been is a promise of what is coming.